the term good girl and good boy and hearing that used, kids grab onto that. Mm. And so if I fall over but don't cry and then get told good girl, well then I'm learning that in order to be a good girl, good girls don't cry. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Remind podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Moreland and I'm joined by my co-host David Masterton and today we are talking about the topic of the good kid. Uh, This is something I heard a lot still to this day as an adult I hear a lot that my mum will say oh you were a good kid and did you get that, Dave? <laughs> were you a good well, kid? I'm glad you're a good kid because I certainly wasn't. So <laughs> oh, we'll, be, we'll, be able, we'll be able to balance this out quite nicely. Yeah. So <laughs> we talk a lot. If you're new to this show, we talk a lot around um, childhood and early life experiences and programming of our mind and all that those kinds of things. And the the concept of the good kid is one that I go into a lot of detail about in various programs, especially around parenting, because we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we mean when we say good kid? Is a good kid a kid who doesn't cry? Is a good kid a kid who is seen and not heard? Is a good kid a kid who cleans up their room like what is it that makes a good kid a good kid so i think this is going to be pretty powerful dave absolutely so what is the definition of a good kid well um if i go back to when i was a kid when was i praised for being a good kid um when i listened when i was not making too much trouble When I wasn't doing the bad things, like, look, kids lie, they scream, they shout, all of those things is not necessarily celebrated as a parent. And even for myself, if my kids lie, it's not going to be one of those things like, job well done. But a lot of the things were really about how, when you're a good kid, you do everything that's expected of you based on your parents, which is based on what their parents thought was a good kid. So you did well at school. You were compliant, you listened, you were well-mannered, you respected the elders. Oh, big one. And then you applied yourself, you were driven, you were good academically, you were good at sport, you were, whatever it was that you were kind of good at. Now, I'm not trying to paint the fact that parents, or especially my parents, had obscenely high expectations. That's not the case. But if we had to look at what were if you had to have a checklist all the, all the things that applied across different kids because some people some kids could be highly academic some kids could be highly athletic but whatever you did that's these were the kind of the metrics of being a good kid um yet to see a perfectly good kid mm. because they they need to express and all of those type of things so i suppose this episode's about trying to look at what is the old definition of a good kid versus actually what is natural and what should we be expecting for the developmental growth because essentially they pop out and we expect them to be 30 year olds 
if by definition of a good of a good good. Kid. Oh gosh, no! I don't know which thirty-year-olds you're hanging out with, Dave, but there's not too many thirty-year-olds who are super compliant, like you know, loving, genuine. Put it this way: there's not many thirty-year-olds I know that I want my kids to turn out like. Wow, that's a bit okay. scary. Not that we have a problem with thirty-year-olds. I'm just to say this is the top of the show, right? Yeah. But uh, it's, it's about understanding what. Well, again, it comes back to why we are the way that we are. But for me, I think about the term good girl and good boy and hearing that used, kids grab onto that. Mm. And so if I fall over but don't cry and then get told good girl, well, then I'm learning that in order to be a good girl, good girls don't cry. Reinforced. Through yeah. Reinforced behaviour. Or if I am feeling really angry, but I Mm. suppress that anger and say sorry, despite the fact that I feel deep in my soul that I wasn't in the wrong, Mm. but I say sorry and override that, then I'm a good girl. Yeah, okay. If you're seen, not heard. All of these sort of behaviors, which, and I get it as a parent, and you probably get this as, as well. When the kids are quietly reading or playing or doing those kind of things, it gives us space. Yeah. Now, if we're completely regulated, great, because then we get some downtime. We actually get to recoup. We get to do something which is nice. If we're not regulated or feeling like there's a bit going on, it gives us space to start to work through the things that we need to work through so we can hopefully get to regulated space or just be able to have some downtime. And so generally, we are reaffirming these type of things simply because we're parents. We need to have those times. And as much as we love and enjoy having kids around, parents and parenting, it's a lot of work. And generally parenting is not a job done by itself. Usually you have to work and parent and, 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 and. So I kind of get the whole, let's reinforce the behaviors that make it easier for us as parents to to do that as opposed to, well, Let's just say the kid gets angry. And I've had this only just this week. My youngest one, William, starts to get angry. And when he gets angry, he tells me, Dad, I'm angry. And then he, when I ask him what it's about, and he's saying it's because of me and the things that, that I'm doing, it's that sort of actually well done, mate, for sharing. Yeah. It's because, okay, if you're angry, great. Be angry because you're never going to be happy all the time. You're never going to love every choice I'm going to make. You're not going to love everything that comes out of my mouth. Be angry. Talk to me. Let's talk through it. Whether it's a, uh, I change my mind based on something I've missed or whether you're open to me talking a little bit more about it so that you can understand where I'm coming from, we'll, f- we'll figure it out. But the fact he opened the door, and we're talking about an eight-year-old here, and there's, there's big emotion, there's, you know, eyes watering, real frustration coming out, but being able to talk to me and I sort of say, mate, I'm so proud of you for talking to me. Good on you. I think being able to express emotion is being a good kid. Whether I like it as a parent or not, the emotion or the feedback that's coming back to me, it's kind of irrelevant because I'm trying to encourage the sense of self within within the within the kids doesn't mean I have to agree with them. What are your thoughts on that? I love that. I love that. 
Thanks for sharing that story. I could really resonate because my daughter just turned seven and ever since, like she's been my little mirror. Um, when I say my mirror, she mirrors back to me the parts of myself that I couldn't love. And I think I've spoken about that on the mm -hmm. show before. And in her big emotions, if I don't create space for that, if I can't be, if I can't create the space for her to have big emotions and remain connected to me, not an if, not an or, it's either you have small emotions and remain connected to me because I can handle your small emotions mm. or you can have big emotions, but I need to disconnect from you because that's too much. So mm. there's space here for your emotions and I can remain connected to you. And that's co-regulation. And I think the risk of this good girl versus nothing, because it's not like we say bad girl. You're a bad girl for mm. drawing outside the lines or for, you know, making that mistake or having a messy room or whatever it might be. But it's what's not said. Children really struggle to fill in the blanks accurately mm. because they don't have a um, full worldview yet. They don't have a fully developed mind yet. And so their capacity to fill in the blanks is, is kind of lacking. And so if Elodie gets feedback, oh, wow, you did such great coloring in, good girl. But then she looks at the coloring in and realizes that she colored in the lines. If she colors out of the lines, then oh, I must be a bad girl because I colored in out of the lines. And that's kind of how this comes about is it's the things that we don't get the feedback on that we then try and extrapolate the feedback that we've had to reach mm. our own conclusions, but those conclusions are often wrong. And so if, if I've been a good girl by being quiet, well, then the opposite to that must mean that if I'm loud, I'm bad. Mm. And how I think the saddest thing for me is seeing this programming active in adults who, who come through my programs and those kinds of things who really have such unrelenting standards of themselves because they were programmed that they needed to be, in order to be good, these are, these are the conditions. The conditions yeah. on connection, the conditions on love are that you're good and good means quiet, calm, regulated, doing well at school, all the things that you mm. sort of mentioned earlier. Um, and I recently had an experience with my son and report cards. And I used to get a lot of feedback when I was a child on my report cards, like, good girl, wow, you did so well, good. There was so much attention and so much feedback given mm. to those things that I wanted to do more of those things to get mm. the attention and to get the feedback. But that resulted in me being an adult who was always striving for more, always striving for, for perfection. If I didn't get a high distinction at uni, it was like a crushing sensation in my chest because then that meant I was bad. Wow, okay. You know, mm. uh, it's heavy. It's heavy <clears throat> stuff, this good girl programming. But do you know what it resulted in is it resulted in me rebelling and going, well, if I do my best and it's still not enough and I'm still not the good girl, 
because those standards are so unrelenting and unachievable, then beep, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to rebel. Mm. And I had my rebellion years where I was the bad girl. Gotcha. Gotcha. Textbook bad girl. Naughty girl. Well, actually, was it textbook bad girl? Because I'm pretty sure your textbooks were still fine. <laughs> right? Academically, you're still going, but it was probably just everything else that was going a little bit haywire. Yeah. Um, Hardcore. I, like, flew off the handle. Wow. And that was probably with, what, just um, your going out, behaviors, relationships, those those type of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. But during that time, did you ever change, were you a bad guy in the sense of, I'm going to actively get a D in this report. No. Right. So there's probably something in, in you which, you know, outside of the positive feedback, it was something where you still wanted to strive to be the best that you could academically because it sort of resonated. Deep down I wanted to, but yeah. it was like my actions were rebelling against that desire. It would gotcha. be like I would know that I've got an assignment due, but I'd go to clubbing instead. But did you ever it, did you ever get the the D? Did you ever get the just oh, pass? Oh look, I um, the 50%? I remember having an exam. Yeah, I remember having an exam. Um, it must have been in first year because that was kind of the peak of this. Well, maybe not the peak, but it was definitely during that time. And I remember having an exam where I was like, you know what? I stopped showing up to class around week seven or something. Gotcha. Because I felt like I'd already knew enough about the other stuff that I could fluke a pass. <laughs> And I stopped showing up to class. I started going partying. I, I like I, it was a bit of a train wreck time, and I just passed. Okay, how did just? And, and when you just passed, what was your? How did you feel about that? Was I didn't it, feel great. Okay, it didn't feel good in my body because the perfection equals worthy. Perfection equals worthy of love. Perfection equals worthy of attention. Mm. But I was in such a self-loathing time that I was in like a, well, F the world kind of thing. I don't yeah. want your attention anyway. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's so oh, interesting. Gotcha. Because it's quite interesting about the academic. Um, so for, for me, I had the opposite. And when I say opposite, for me, it was the opposite desire or the will or the whatever it was. My parents will always encourage me and sort of say, David, you put your mind to anything, you can do whatever you want. Highly supportive, but when it came to school and academics and all of that, my interest was always, how the hell is this going to help me get a job? I was a either a um, toddler or a small child or an adolescent or whatever it was looking at the adulthood. I want to drive, I want to get a job, I want to get on with it. Did you and have any desire around what that job would be, though? Right at the start, it was probably being a builder, actually, because I always had this thing about taking things apart and putting them back together again. And so it was very sort of fix or make yeah. or, or, or build. And then, um, but that kind of finished, well, that kind of desire sort of stopped probably midway through high school, where then... I mean, I'm showing a bit of age here, but, you know, computers came out and I remember being in the library where the first computer with a CD came and that CD was actually in a cassette that went into the computer, had Encarta 96 or whatever it was on it. Um, and someone will probably correct me in the comments, Encarta, whatever it was. And it blew my mind. And then from there, sort of technology sort of 
took my sort of radar. And but the whole time I was I'd never really applied myself. I could never get into it. I could never sort of go, oh, algebra, <laughs> this is awesome, or grammar, verbs, adverbs, whatever it is. This is Meanwhile, really. I this was is, the kid asking for extra algebra homework. You're the one up the front with the hand up, and I'm the one down the back, you know, just doing whatever, drawing or just doodling or just, huh? I even got to a point in high school where the teachers wouldn't even ask me to hand my my homework in because they knew I wouldn't. Um, but there was only a couple of things that I sort of really applied myself, things that really interest me. One of them was a, just being, it was a project on the Titanic. And for some reason, that just really got me interested. And then off I went. So when it came to right at the end of high school, um, I did design technology, which is again, building. I built an entertainment cabinet. I did music and um, it was also computers. And... Yeah, I passed those, everything else, massive fail, got the report card right at the end for the HSC, like woeful. And um, my parents just didn't get it, yeah, because... So did they not, not understand why you wouldn't apply yourself? Did you feel any negative feeling about it? Like, did you feel like a failure? Did you feel anything? Or I felt, it, you just honest, like that? it felt it like a waste of me. time. It felt like a waste of time. Yeah. To be honest, when I looked at school, it's like when I look at the jobs I'm going to get, when I look at what my aim is and it's to get older, get a job and all of that, yes, in hindsight, I'm happy I can read. I'm happy I can write. I write like a doctor, not I'm trying to offend any doctors. Um, yes, I'm looking at you, Ash. <laughs> But um, I don't know. Don't don't tell me with that brush. My writing's beautiful. It is. That's <laughs> a good girl with good writing. And I was thinking to myself, why do I need a why do I need a pen? Eventually, it's going to be keyboards. But anyway, I probably didn't have that much forethought. But it was just like it just felt like how am I going to apply this? It's a complete waste of time. And so for me, the mo when I'm motivated about something, the energy follows. And I certainly wasn't motivated when it came to, to school, even though the parents were 100% supportive. They would, you know, we moved a couple of times. I even went to a boarding school to try and get me to focus. Um, and look, I, I was just doing the same thing I was doing even in, in a boarding school. So... Um, when I look back then and sort of go for my parents, would they say I'm a good kid or a good student? Well, probably not, because what's the measure of being a good kid in an academic sense? You apply yourself, you have a go, and you achieve whatever. Like, you don't have to be 100 out of 100. My parents never expected that. They just wanted me to at least do the best of my ability which everyone at the table knew I wasn't because I just simply wasn't interested in it. So, um, but, you know, fast, you know, not fast forward, but during that time, ADHD, yep, tick, got that. Um, you know, fairly creative, but in the wrong way. So I'll try and find as many ways as to get out of something and to actually do it, tick. Um, and so that would have been very frustrating. Uh, for, for, for them I place I then look at my kids and look they're like William especially is incredible physically when it comes to any movement he's amazing he's been um, a little bit 
had a bit of a struggle when it comes to paying attention, sitting still and doing those things. Yeah, I get all of that. Um, and he's he's in the window when it comes to, to grades and where he wants to be. He was completely out of it in the wrong direction, but he's sort of marching up. And um, Darcy is doing quite well at school, and um, but not sort of outstanding. But again, it's coming from someone who looks at school and sort of says, well... It is important to go through and do it, but exactly the you know, how motivate how you're motivated isn't necessarily to sit down and get the get the grades, which is a really cool dynamic between you and me. Um, look at the same thing with uh, two different lenses. Absolutely, it's so fascinating, isn't it? And you know, it's my kids couldn't be more opposite. Literally, could not be more opposite if they tried, and. Elodie is very academic. She enjoys it though. She mm. really enjoys it. And so I learning from my past and really bringing intention to what I want good kid to mean. Mm. To me, I want her to become an adult who fulfill, who pursues things that fulfill her who pursues things that she finds joy in, who is willing to go all in and take risks on things knowing that she might fail, knowing that she might not get it the first time Mm. and for those things to be safe for her. um, Mm. That's really important to me. Elijah doesn't particularly love school because school isn't conducive to his strengths now Mm. when i say it's not conducive to his strengths it's not that he doesn't love school he really enjoys aspects of school but there are some things that are just not for him and he doesn't have any interest in it and he doesn't have Mm. any desire to learn it and so what i'm working towards with him is acknowledging that a good kid is someone who is willing to sometimes push themselves outside of their comfort zone. Mm. And we really praise him for the things that he is great at, but also being willing to have conversations with his teachers. Like um, something that I really had to call out is teachers who wanted to have conversations with me about my kids in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. Because... Remember, kids are joining dots, but they do it terribly. And so if I don't stand in the space for them, let's say, for example, I go to school, the teacher wants to pull me aside and tell me all the ways Elijah didn't listen that day, didn't try in class that day. He didn't do this and he didn't do that and he didn't do this and he didn't do that. If I allow that to happen when he's in earshot, and then stick my head in the sand, go home, make dinner and get on with life. Mm. By me not standing in that space for him to help him interpret that, then I'm, re- I'm saying I- I'm going to let my 10-year-old's brain do the job. He's very underdeveloped, yeah. not formed brain mm. and he's going to do a terrible job and he's going to start to implement these learnings that he's bad he's a bad student, he's bad at this, he's bad at that, he's bad at this and he's naughty and he's not worthy of this and he's a bad kid. None of that's true. Now, I go to the extent of actually stopping and I'll use my hand 
if I have to, like literally put my hand up and say, I'll stop you there. I'm more than happy to have this conversation. I'm not willing to have this conversation in front of Elijah. So if, if there's anything you need to speak to me about, please do give me a call, find a time, we'll chat. But I'm not willing to have this conversation here. It's not appropriate. Hmm. Or if something is said and he hears it, I stand in the space by actually then chatting with him about what, was, what he heard mm. and then how that made him feel and then help him to re, um, I guess, rework that scenario and that situation to make sure that the meaning he assigns to it is more uh, representative of truth as opposed to the misconception or the lie or the deception that he's bad or naughty or, or whatever mm. else. Because those identity labels stay with you. If you believe when you're a child that you're bad, you're dumb, you're naughty, then those labels you're going to have a very hard time taking off yourself. So the good kid thing, I will specifically have conversations with his, his teachers around, did Elijah attempt some work today and they'll say yeah he did he did a great job and we'll set some achievable goals mm. that support him but also being able to recognize what are the barriers to him meeting the worldly standard of a good kid well okay here's the first barrier when he's trying to do something outside like PE for instance He'll mm. go from being willing to have a go at kicking the footy to being willing to at least have a go at participating. But then if they do something inside in their multi-purpose room, it's hard surfaces, hard floors, hard ceiling, lots of windows. The sound travels. It's very mm. echoey, massive sensory overload for his nervous system, which puts gotcha. him into a complete sensory shutdown. And guess what? In those instances he'll be sitting in a corner reading, trying to self-regulate, not participating, not willing to try. If someone tries to encourage him to participate, he's going to go even deeper into his hole mm. because it's like me saying, hey, Dave, just put your hand on that hot stove. You'll be right. Just do it. Just put your hand on the hot stove. You get used to it after a while. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're naughty because you wouldn't put your hand on the hot stove. Mm. Now, that was a threat. So for him... Um, it's kind of, I feel really strongly about educating educators and educating the, the caretakers to understand where those um, expectations are coming from. And is it a reasonable expectation? Because mm. in that time, he's not being naughty and he's not being bad. He's self-regulating. And if more adults could self-regulate, we wouldn't have such a dysfunctional world. Mm. Well, welcome to the change that we're trying to create. Because it's, it's quite interesting that you sort of mentioned that and schools are a big thing and, and teachers, they, they cop it, right? I don't know about your school, but the school that um, William and Darcy go to, there's generally two teachers forever. Like there's, there's like 32, 30 something kids per, per classroom. And there might be a teacher's aide or there might be sort of something there, but predominantly the headcount of kids to teachers is actually quite high and then you sort of look at so the the ability for one adult to be able to monitor all of these these kids it's difficult <clears throat> so what will generally happen the ones that are compliant don't necessarily get the attention mm -hmm. because what will then happen is the ones that are disrupting 
they kind of stand out. It's like if you have like a decking, right? The nail that you're going to notice is the one that's sticking up slightly. It doesn't need to be much, yeah. but you'll catch on it and it'll annoy you. So you have to do something about it. And so it's very difficult to be able to do that. So then at the end of school and then suddenly the teacher wants to have a, have a talk, then I think it's really important that that conversation's had because again, you've got an adult looking after all of these kids. They, you know, because really, when as parents, when we send kids to school, we do it for them to learn, but we also need that time to actually go and do our work to pay the bills to do all of <laughs> yeah. that, right? There so is a, that, that is there, a cold, hard truth. There's an there, element there, of babysitting to it, right? Absolutely. And so when we sort of look at that, we sort of say, well, you know, they need to be experts in kids, and look for, for them for the most part, they do a great they do a great job. But it's really interesting when you sort of say stopping having the conversation because when you started with that, you said you do one of two things. You'll stop the conversation if there's something going on or you'll talk it through. I'm a big advocate of the second thing that you sort of said. Let's have the conversation. And if William or Darcy is part of that conversation, they're not just a spectator in that conversation. Yes, but they're an active participant who's consenting to the conversation. You Correct. do not speak about someone in front of them well, and, and then, allow that to happen. Correct. So yeah. anytime, anytime that happens, it's, it's, brought, it's brought in. And then I sort of, you know, if they sort of say, William sort of struggled a little bit today, he's, you know, maybe talking too much on the mat or doing whatever it is, then I'll look at William and sort of say, hey, mate, how do you feel about that? how did you find being on the mat today? And then he'll talk about, actually, I was really angry. Oh, okay. And this is actually coming from an example I just dealt with a couple of days ago. A couple yeah. of days ago. And, okay, so you're talking to your... F- who, who were you talking to? My, my, my friends. Okay, why were you angry? Because so-and-so called me dumb. And I was really angry and I needed to... He couldn't say it as eloquently, but he needed to talk about it to get it out. And so, and with that extra information, the teacher and William and myself, it was sort of like beautiful. You know, the the teacher's like, great. And then from that quick conversation, there was the ability to sort of go, okay, well, look, if that's if that happens, please talk to the, you know, try and talk to the teacher. Um, because, you know, it's just one of those things like because yeah what what if i was a teacher what would i need everyone paying attention so i can get through today's work because i mean like a bit like yourself being a lecturer before right it's sort of like if you had all these guys sort of or people talking at you while you're trying to do a lecture it's like if you don't want to be here get out (laughs) i've got this 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 is what we need this is what we need to get through so um and so that's why we reinforce as parents or as teachers or whatever is if we need to get this done which we've all agreed you've dropped your kids off at school you want us to look after your kids and you want them to learn okay this is the information i need to get through in in today well the kids that are disrupting it they're going to be they're going to be said well you're not you make it hard for me you're not being you're being bad or you're not being good you're not being there you go you're not being good right and for everyone who is is there okay being quiet you are being good because you're allowing me to get through the work 
And so, but yeah, and I think school's changing and I hope it changes even further where it comes back to what do we need to learn? With the, with the advent of AI and all these other things coming in, which from a, from a me point of view, you learn how to be social, you learn how to interact with others. Yes, you learn some stuff, but the, this whole focus around memory-based training. And grading, to, yeah. If you, we, our kids are going to live in a world where, they, where AI is going to be frighteningly better. You won't need to remember a goddamn thing. It'll just be there and you just lean on it. What skills are they going to need? So for me, what's being a good kid is being able to, when you do leave school and you do become an adult, that you are encouraged to be a confident adult, whatever Mm. that is. Have the self-confidence to be able to enter the world without having to worry so much about what it is to participate in this world. Yeah. And yes, I agree. And I, the only thing that I would call out is the disruption. So there's not just two options in a classroom, a kid just participating and being the good kid versus mm. the kid disrupting. The other option is that a kid who may not be participating, but is also not disrupting other people from participating. And that's Mm. a really, really important standard to uphold. And I think where that is the thing that's missing, supporting a child, like exactly the example in the PE example that I gave, Mm. the options were you participate or you don't. But the viewpoint was he's, he's actually not disrupting anyone else from participating, but his lack of participation isn't because he's being naughty or bad. His lack right. of participation in that moment is because he's self-regulating. Mm. Now, does that mean to say that he doesn't, you know, give him an inch and he take a, attempt to take a mile? Maybe, absolutely. Probably anyone potentially could do that. But I think that's a really important conversation piece is... Mm. including the the aspect that, yeah, the teacher has to get through their day. And to me, um, having self-awareness and awareness of of self and others. Mm. So self-responsibility comes into that. But to have self-responsibility, we have to have awareness of self. We have to have an understanding of how our choices impact those around us. And that is a really, really powerful training ground. So for me, a good kid is a kid who can have, well, not kids who are learning. <laughs> I, I actually don't use the term good kid, good boy, good girl. I don't, I don't say that in my family <laughs> in mm, general. Same. But in my mind, if I, if I were to think about it, I would want my child to have an awareness, a growing, evolving awareness of how their actions have a ripple effect Mm. and know when through their own self-awareness and their own value systems that it is worth having a ripple effect if it means standing in your truth, Mm. standing up for yourself. Because the, the risk of that is that they become people pleasers. Awareness of self and awareness of others might be, oh, I don't want to do that because they might get upset. Oh, there is, there is consequences to standing up to someone. 
Absolutely. There's a ripple effect no matter what we do. But if it's finding the balance between, well, I can stand up for what I believe in and or equally not be life-taking from someone else, not be shutting down or, or negatively Im- impacting or influencing someone else. So it's an interesting one because these things are not black and white. And the thing with labels and dualism is it's good or bad. Well, if it's not good, what, what, what is it? It's right or wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So the only two options is good or bad. But what about that's, that's so fixed mindset. It has to be this or this. When we talk about an open mind, so having an open mind, bringing curiosity to the table, what that curiosity affords us is conversations around context. Mm. And in the context, what did this mean? And, you know, with, um, with report cards, I think the grading system, I never look at grades. I just, it, it doesn't mean anything to me in terms of their academic performance. But I sure as heck want to hear the stuff about were they kind? Mm. Were they thoughtful? Did they stand up for what they believed in? Did they ask for help when they needed it? Those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Because those children who display and who, um, well, adults who nurture those skill sets in children are breeding adults who are more highly conscious, who are self-aware, who has awareness of self and others and can contribute, leave positive ripple effects in the world. And Mm. that's what's important to me. Yeah, and I think you raise an important point about context. Who sets the context, right? So who sets the curriculum for school? And when was the last time it was properly reviewed as to the benefit of it? And how has then technology been overlaid as to the necessities of the subject matter and all of that then the gradings appropriately and so forth it's actually a very slow moving machine the Mm. people within the system are trying but it's a very big system like wherever you look at it's a very big system it's been around for a very long time and so it is sort of something that will eventually catch up but at the moment as things progress outside of the school system it's going to take a while. So when you look at context, well, the context is based on the system. And the system, I think almost everyone, including teachers, will agree is broken. That's why the education, um, you know, there's so many strikes and so, that kind of thing in Australia. Well, it, it just can't keep up with, with the, 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 the progression. So I, I agree. Yeah. I, I fully, I fully yeah. agree. And so yeah. I've got to say being a good kid, it's just based on the context. So if we yeah. sort of wrap this all up, being a good kid is based on the scorecard that you place as a, as a, as a good kid. The scorecard's yeah. written based on the context and the context is brought to you by the system. Now, yeah. right now, we are in this amazing time where things are shifting pretty quickly. Mm. What, what, what was good is now being challenged as good for what? What was yes. that good for? Okay. Oh, shit. If we go backwards a little bit, actually, the whole social or the schooling system was really there to help produce factory workers based when we needed it through the Industrial yeah. Revolution. Yeah. So it was good for that. But is it good for now? Oh, 
Okay, maybe. Yes. Not. So all of that's happening. All of that's changing. The con, the, the the system, the context, the scorecards, and and all of that. And it's great that everyone that's on board is on board. So for anyone out there yeah. thinking they're you reminded me of oh. <laughs> <laughs> of this i was yeah. just looking at this this morning so this is a book called conscious revolution the awakening of souls i contributed to this last year and as you were talking then it reminded me of something that i literally just read this morning and in my chapter i talked i unpacked what revolution meant mm-hmm. and it says the word revolution literally means a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favor of a new system. And when we're in, you know, you just mentioned the industrial revolution. The reason I have so much hope for humanity is because I believe we are in a conscious revolution mm-hmm. where there is going to be a forcible overthrow of government and social order in favor of elevated consciousness, in favor and- of really deeply spiritually connected people and that's what excites me so much about, you know, even the term revival, revive us, renew us. Mm. Um, that I think that is so necessary. And, and when you say, it was interesting, I observed in myself when you said they need to overhaul the system or the system will catch up. My immediate response in my body was, no, it won't. Which was so interesting to observe. And that's why I then thought about about that line in the book is that I really do believe that it will, but I don't think it's going to look like what we think it might. Well, it's sort and, of, there's, there's a way it, it could be when you sort of go, oh, it's sort of like, do we need to fight them? <clears throat> I, I guarantee you look at you look at teachers, you look at everyone in the, in the system or that the provide schooling those people are awakening as we speak as well and so it will catch up because there'll there'll be more people who are interested in the in the conscious than they are in the past Mm. and there and there might be some relics that are left that really enjoy the old whatever it is the power or of you know keeping people maybe a little bit more asleep when we're just focused on algebra trigonometry verbs adverbs you know um whatever it is um i don't know why i'm picking on mass in english but um (laughs) that they they won't be able to overcome the wave of the consciousness so it will catch up whether people like or not whether we go you know parading down on horseback with our swords in the air. I doubt we need to get to that point anymore. It's not going to be an overthrow like that. It'll just be as more and more people, similar to us, because we are just, you know, one of many people who are talking about the consciousness, it's all within and all of those type of things. It will, it will absolutely change. So a bit like yourself, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. Oh, so guys, Dave mentioned scorecard. We are a good kid according to the measure of the scorecard that we are measured against. So if you are listening to this, I would encourage you to look at what scorecard you use. What are the conditions Mm. on your scorecard? If you are a parent, 
What is the scorecard that you are measuring or assessing your children against to determine whether or not they are good? Because anything that is a condition on that scorecard represents conditional love and anything that is a mm. condition on their love, their underdeveloped, underformed brain and mind is going to be filling in the blanks on your behalf and it will be filling them with lies that is just not true. So it is absolutely worth rewriting your new scorecard and scoring them against that instead. It'll that's, transform your lives and your family and have ripple effects for generations. That's awesome. I, I know we need to wrap this up, but just when you said that, the one thing that popped up, it's not for me, but I've seen it in play with other parents, it's don't embarrass me. So imagine, wow. like, is that, is that a, just think to yourself, is that on your scorecard? Um, because then, anyway, we, we can maybe probably do another episode later on about all of that. <laughs> But just just think about it. So um, that was awesome. Episode twenty four this this week. Episode twenty five next week. That's pretty big. Looking forward to that. And I reckon I'll catch you next week, Ash. Bye yes, bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>